She says she's got to hold on to what we got. It doesn't make a difference if we make it or not. We got each other, and that's a lot for love. We'll give it a shot. Whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa, living on a prayer. I love it. I would have sang, but it would have been like a wolf screaming. Well, sure Taylor, thanks so much. Thank you so of much course. for being uh, here and opening up the show and uh, making the time to sit down and talk to us. Yeah. And I know that we know each other through Danny from our our buddy from Juice Press there. Yes. And so we know we're going to talk more about Juice Press later on at another time. But today we're going to talk about what you do and how you help other people. And we're also going to talk about how it's connected to the industry because uh, it is, even though this is a, such a macho-driven Masculine, toxic. Yeah, Manny. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about what's going on and how things should change. So thank you for being here. And you've met my co-host here, Carlito. And uh, so if you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and then we can get right into it. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a registered psychotherapist qualifying, but I am registered with the College of Registered Psychotherapists of Ontario. It's a mouthful, but I'm currently working at a private practice in Mississauga and I just take on clients with general mental health issues. Just a general mental health therapist. I know psychotherapist is kind of a fancy word for it, but take on issues with Um, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, trauma, um, even PTSD, things like that. Stress management as well is a big one. Work-life balance, just relationship issues as well, whether that's marital or just with friends. Have you been on a construction site lately? Not you just named you, she just named everything. <laughs> Did I? You just okay. named every problem. Yeah. Okay. Well, I haven't been recently, but I could imagine. I could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we deal with, and and obviously the industry is is mostly masculine. I mean, we yeah. we know that three percent of the workforce is female. They belong into the industry. We want to have them part of the industry, but you still have this men, like male driven mentality, right? Right, which kind of causes a lot of problems. But it's how do you speak to how do you speak to us? How do we get us to understand that we can't continue doing this or being this way? Yeah, absolutely. Well, because it is such a macho industry, I think the gender culture around being male is like a huge factor, right? Like you're just socialized growing up and conditioned to not talk about your feelings, not acknowledge your feelings and to just suck it up. You go to work, you suck it up. Um, And I think that's kind of perpetuated a lot of male-dominated workforces, right? But as like a business owner or someone who is running a team or um, just someone in charge of, you know, younger people or just new people in the workforce, you need to create a culture that is open about talking about mental health or else it's just going to continue to be suppressed and people are going to feel limited totally agree with you i want to just get some of your credentials here out of the way so you're the the website is uh it's rice psychotherapy yeah rise psychotherapy rise yeah. okay so it's rise psychotherapy.ca and then your email is taylor at rice psychotherapy.ca yep and then um that's located in mississauga yeah right by square one okay and t- so to get a hold of you, you you can actually just email you or also it's you guys are also on instagram which is rise psychotherapy mississauga yes and that's where you get a hold of yes. so i'd love to go through 
that whole grocery list that you just started off with <laughs> yeah. and try to let's take Carlito as our subject here. Oh, Not saying oh, that no. he has you any issues writing. whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and just let's talk about the typical things that we go through and how we can possibly make our lives better as a result of what you can tell us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Or Carlito. do you want to share or do you want to begin? Yeah, why don't you tell me about some of the typical things that go on? Okay, so um, I think one of the biggest problems in construction is that home life always comes back on the construction site. Mm -hmm. So if you have a problem with your, say, your partner, right. you're going to bring that to work and you're going to give people bad attitudes. You're going to, you know, be closed up. You're not going to express yourself properly. You're going to be talking to people the wrong way. Uh, ag aggression and so on. So I get, think that's one of the first ones I w I'd like to cover. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that just goes back to kind of what I said earlier, when people feel limited or expressed and they can't talk about their feelings or they're even not acknowledging them on their own, it will spill into all other areas of your life. And I've seen that a lot in clients, like something's going on and it starts interfering with their work, with their family. In that kind of scenario, those people, they need to address it head on. They, they need to acknowledge that there's a problem and they need to seek whether it's professional help or just like if it's a relationship issue, like maybe it's all about confronting that person, like talking to your wife, you know, trying to figure it out, figuring out the situation in its foundation so that it stops interfering with all other aspects, right? So it's not ignoring what's going on. There's always three sides to a story. Yours, mine, and the truth, right? Oh, interesting. Um, so <laughs> a lot of guys are scared to talk to therapists. The stigma. The stigma attached to it, right? Well, yeah, stigma, just being a yeah. guy. Like yes. I'm just talking about being a guy right now. Yeah. Uh, for me, at the beginning, I was like, I don't need a, a, a therapist. I don't right. need to talk to anybody. I already know what's going on. But really, so we need somebody outside to kind of look in and evaluate what's going on so that we can come up with a a new solution to fix a, a problem that's been ongoing, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I noticed like, what's the, what's the best way to get people to drop their guard and just accept seeing someone like you just best to deal with way. the problems, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people come to a point where they realize they just can't handle it on their own, whether it's, you know, hitting rock bottom or things just get so bad that they're like, whatever, I'll, I'll try it. Right. But it's the stigma, like you said, Manny, like there's such a huge stigma about talking to a therapist and luckily that's getting better. But I think that starts with like work culture and just the people you surround yourself with. If there's people that are constantly putting that idea down and saying, oh, you don't need that or, you know, you're going to feel weird pursuing it. You're going to be like, oh, well, people are going to judge me if I do it. Right. It's surrounding yourself with the right people. It's being in the right environment. Um, it's accepting that sometimes you just you, you need help. You need that third yeah. perspective. What's the old school way of solving tradespeople's problems? The old school way. Would it be just like the hell with it? It's not a problem. It's not on my shoulder. It's not a chip. And just continue your living Monday to Friday working, go home, take it out either at your coworkers, take it out at your family, right. take it out to the people that are in your circle. I guess that's the old way of doing it. And then just ignoring the fact of just confronting it. The first thing that you have to do is acknowledge that, that you have a problem. Right. You just need to figure out what that problem is and where the source of that problem is. Right. And sometimes it, you don't even need to talk to a therapist, like talk to your friends. Like if you have a support network, like that could be huge. 
like just having friends and family that you feel comfortable talking about that stuff to can be sometimes all that you need. Just surrounding yourself with people that are accepting and non-judgmental and open about the fact that mental health is a problem. And if you are struggling, you do need to talk about it, right? Sometimes you don't need to go to therapy. I mean, sometimes you do, but... What's that question or what's that statement? What, what should we say? How do we approach? Okay, so I see Carlito, six foot forever, 300 pounds. Yeah, maybe wow, I gained a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> On the job site, typical tradesperson. You looking at my wallet? And I, <laughs> and, I, and I want to tell him, listen, I've got this going on and that's why I'm, how do I, how do I phrase that, that statement? As a worker to their like superior. Co-worker, yeah. Or a co-worker. I mean, different for everyone. Of course. But I would just say, hey, listen, I'm really struggling right now. Got some personal stuff going on and it's really affecting, you know, my work performance and just my mentality. And right now I think it's best if I take a break or, you know, have a day to myself to figure some things out. You know, I don't think you have to go too much in detail, but just be honest with the fact that you're not okay and it's affecting work. And I'm sure every supervisor wants you to perform well at work or yeah. every coworker. So I think if you be honest that it's interfering with your performance, then they'll be like, okay. And how should the supervisor or your coworker react when they hear this for the first time? Because I'm assuming this would come out of the blue right. most of the time. Yeah. And I think that shock factor might not be taken so well by that individual who's struggling. Like, But I could expect that to happen if they're not comfortable with mental health or they they don't talk about it a lot but in order to support that person and to make them feel comfortable and validated like they just express to you that they're struggling right you don't want to make them feel any more vulnerable and worse than they already do yeah. you know just be like okay buddy like I guess I've I, been putting out the wrong messages. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of messages? Uh, I, I, I try to use humor to oh, mask yeah. problems for people and just try to make their day better by just making them laugh yeah but the problem never goes away right. if anything i make it worse because now it's they're sitting on it and dwelling on it all day right yeah so I, i'm i'm great to listen but i also don't take things seriously enough for people when i'm trying to help them i think a key thing in responding to someone you know sharing that kind of stuff with you is just validating and reflecting what they said like if someone says like i'm, I'm really struggling and you know, I, I don't know what to do and whatever. You can say, well, it sounds like that's been really hard on you. Like, do you need someone to talk to? Or like, what, what can I do? What can I do to help? That's like a really appropriate response. Instead of saying, oh, like, you're fine. Like, everything's okay. <laughs> you can ask, like straight up ask, what can I do to help? Is there anything I can do? You know, I think people with depression and anxiety, they get the wrong responses a lot of the time. And it comes from a place of judgment. And instead of coming from that place of judgment, just be open to the idea and offer your support in that way. And just say, what can I do? Is there anything I can do, right? I think that means so much to people, especially when they feel alone and they feel isolated, just to know that you're at least willing to offer something, offer that support. What are some of the little things that we can offer that we can suggest? Like, Honestly, just the ear to talk to. Mm -hmm company, especially when people are depressed, they tend to isolate themselves, which kind of just 
it's like a cycle perpetuates the problem, right? They isolate themselves and then they feel more lonely and they, they really want your company, right? But they don't feel worthy of it sometimes and they just don't feel up to seeing anyone. So offering to come by and have dinner with them, offering time to talk after work. Okay, do you want, do you want to grab a beer or something? We can... As simple as a, just a text, just yeah, a, how a you doing? Yeah. What's going on in. tonight? Just check in. Simple yeah. check ins. Like if you see someone struggling, like just text them and be like, hey, buddy, like how's it going? You okay? Like it, it could mean the world to someone that's struggling to see that someone cares. Just a simple check in. And it doesn't have to be anything like extravagant, right? I'd love to attack social media now because I can assume that a lot of people have their own what's going on in their personal lives which mm -hmm. translate to their professional lives and they're keeping it within, but yet on social media, they're probably presenting yeah. a complete facade of what's really going on. So if someone is following somebody else and all their pictures are all perfect and everything's great and the job site's happy and it's all sunny go lucky, right. but yet you can see that this person's not like that. How do we kind of balance those two? Right. Do we take the truth of social media, which is an oxymoron, or do we take the reality of what we feel in our, our gut that that person is actually going through something? Right. I think in this day and age, we just have to accept that social media is not an accurate representation of someone's life. And it's just a reality we have to accept. It's become such a, I don't know the right word. It's just a prevalent use of... of well, I, I also think that people are telling you who they want to be but not who they yeah, are or absolutely. what's point. real yeah. and what's not right right so like whenever i see an instagram like i see a perfect picture but i know that right. there's no way that that was easy to make oh. that perfect so oh, nobody no. wants to share the the heartaches to get to that point right no it's very rarely that people are very transparent on social media they always almost always present their best selves yeah you know what they want people to perceive of them. And that's just a reality, especially for people in my generation as well. Um, I, I'm sure it varies from age group, um, but definitely the younger generation, it's very common to always put on and show people what you know what you want them to see. You're yeah. not gonna show them what you're going through. Or what you think they wanna yeah. see. Yeah, and yeah. it's so social media is also like grown where you have like thousands of followers or hundreds of followers and like you don't know these people personally why would you share any vulnerable side to you and they don't even you know they, you've probably never met them right yeah. so i would definitely take it as you see it in person right like okay their instagram no oh, they're partying on the weekend and they're always with friends but what happens when they come home are their friends still there are they good friends are those friends asking how that person is like yeah are they right? happy at home are they happy at home yeah. right they show them you know, being so social, but then what happens when they're, when they get home? Are well, they alone? Would you suggest that maybe they take a break from social media or is that a little bit of a dramatic, too dramatic of a step for them because they feel yeah. that social media is kind of the only thing that's keeping them. But it's, I think it's more of a disease right now, isn't it? Like social media. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out, but I mean, it's, it's you nice can't to let hear. it go when you're on it all the time. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, I, I think it's a kind of catch 22 in a way. Right. Like for some, it might be a great way to stay connected to people, but it also has all these images of unrealistic, you know, body types and lifestyles that just put pressure on people. So what I would recommend is to acknowledge that you have the control of what you view, the content that you receive. Right. 
stop following these lifestyle accounts of all these people who are rich and famous and and you know put pressure on you to be and live a certain way and stop following like the hot Instagram models that make you feel like you need to diet right you're in control of the content that that you see on a daily basis so if you don't want to totally cut out social media because it's a way to stay connected with others which is good at least control the content that you allow yourself yeah, to sure. to take in right i'm assuming sorry you got something or oh i got lots but keep going okay no no i want <laughs> you to speak up but I, I would definitely want to talk about covid and how mental health and covid yeah, and it's great like, one like this is a huge one huge. and unfortunately the government is not doing far enough what yeah. they should be doing how have you seen it changed dramatically i guess yeah. In, the, in the last 18, 20 months, right? Well, I was working for Kids Help Phone when the pandemic first started. And the amount of young kids, teenagers that were reaching out for so many reasons, but re all related to COVID. They were so disconnected from their friends. They couldn't go to school. They couldn't go to basketball practice. Like this was really affecting them mentally. Like these little things. A lot of people developed social anxiety from COVID-19 because they were isolated from people for so long. And especially at a young age, you're really in the midst of your social development. And here you are being restricted from talking to anyone socially or being present physically with anyone. And it really stunts that social development and yeah. it creates that social anxiety so a lot of people struggled and then there's depression right now you're even more isolated and people were struggling yeah all my friends kids are now smoking pot and yeah. they're not doing anything they're depressed in their houses they don't want to be social they don't want to do nothing yeah. so and and the kids have said between 12 and 16 that this COVID has changed them oh yeah so like we're where's that going to take our kids and you know, that's going to affect us having kids, right? Yeah, absolutely. Who are they going to become? Is that being considered? I don't know that it is much, but it is worth considering. Because if there's no intervention, if there's no saving grace that comes and swoops in and kind of changes the path, right, that they're on, then who are they going to become? I right? mean, those like, are those formative years. Like, that that's yeah. the kind of person you become based on your experiences when you're, you know, uh, I guess your later years of elementary school and your early years of high school going into post-sec, that's the person that you become. But that's Absolutely. what they're going through right now. Exactly. And they've gotten used to this world. This is like we've gone through other things. I mean, you're much younger than us, right? But Carlito and well, Carlito's gone through far more things. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, it makes me wonder. I'm like, a great who, client. Who are, <laughs> who are they going to become? And that, that makes me a little bit nervous, too, because it's a shame. that It is. Yeah. I mean, like the fact that I'm so sociable, it's because I was in sports and I went to school and I was in clubs and I, you know, I had a lot of social interactions. So now I'm comfortable and confident in social situations. Right. And that gives me opportunities and that kind of advances me in my career and my personal life. But these kids, they're not having those experiences to set them up for certain opportunities and certain successes. And it, it is a shame. What are you seeing with uh, adults that are in construction or uh, in work with the COVID? How, how are you seeing how they're uh, dealing with it all? People not working, working part-time, not working again. Right. Well, I had a lot of, not in construction, but nurses and, and people who work frontline who I spoke with and the stress, the burnout, like that was very severe. 
And then there was the opposite side of people who weren't working because of COVID and that stress. That's still stress. Yeah. Oh my, absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy stress. I mean, providing for your family and depending on the government to send you serve and, and stuff like it wasn't enough. Like it simply is not enough to get by and, and that stress to provide for your family, especially in construction, I feel like men put it on themselves a lot to be that provider, right? And here you are not able to provide. It's a huge shock to your pride, your ego, the control you used to have to provide for your family. It makes you, you know. Sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what little steps can we do? Like what little steps can these, these people do to turn it around, I guess? In situations where they're not working or when they're... Yeah, when, I guess yeah, I guess both situations because you're dealing with the situation where they... they in the beginning, construction, we were lucky because essential, but there right. was a lot of restrictions on high-rise and, and there was limitations on how many people could work. So some people, some tradespeople were staying home. Some people were, were going to work. People are afraid to work. Afraid to work. Yeah. And so, you know, now everybody's working as much as they possibly can, but they all have significant others that are probably not in the industry. So they weren't on the essential list. Right. So they weren't working. So that was stress at home. Yeah. And I'm just trying to think of what little tips can you suggest that people can do to kind of get out of that funk? Yeah. That like kind of just stress management. In yeah. A way. Well, like things, when things build up and you're not doing anything to release that stress, it will overflow. Like if you picture a bucket and then there's financial stress and work stress and family stress and da 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 and then you do nothing about it, it will overflow, right? So little tips, self-care is huge. I'm sure you've heard about it. It's like a big trending term in like the mental health world. It's self-care and it looks different for everyone. Self-care could be um, just me time after a long day to decompress, watching Netflix, having a glass of wine, making sure that you connect with your family members, your best friends. Um, even if you're like super busy, just making that time for things that are important to you, taking time to sleep better, making sure you're getting a good sleep in every day. That's so essential. Um, exercise is actually, there's studies that show that exercise can be equal to or even more effective than some antidepressants. For it, sure. It's crazy. And, and I think people underestimate the like mental benefits of exercise. So making sure you're you're staying active and and just taking care of your body Let, like acknowledging what your body needs right like your body will tell you if it's tired if it's hungry if it needs a break right acknowledge that and give your body what it needs like allow yourself to take care of yourself i think right. a lot of people struggle with that yeah you were saying like you're talking about the endorphins in your brain that it's, right. you know staying unstressed and happy what about the workaholics out there yeah. Like, what do, what do we do about guys like me that work 16 hours a day, 20 hours a day, have a family at home and for some reason don't do anything for myself and never want to come home, but want to be home. Like, I want to be there for my family, but okay. I keep getting stuck on that job site. And I'm not the only one. I've got 100 other guys who are like me. Yeah. So just working what, what's the problem much. and how can I change that? I think it's just, I don't want to say priorities, but in a way... Right. I think sometimes we lose track of, you know, what we should be putting first, like work becomes such a huge part of our lives. And it is something we all have to do. We have to work to survive. Yeah. Like. Right. But I think we lose track of that. Like what is really important to us? What do we really value? And like you said, you want to be home. You want to be with your family. And so But I never end up being there. Is it that provider 
devil that's on our shoulder that's telling us we have to go to work because we have to provide. So I can't be at home. Is that what's going on in our minds? I think it could be a big part okay. for a lot of people. I don't want to say across the board, right? Like it, maybe some people don't want to go home. Maybe there's just so many problems at home that they rather be at work, right? But maybe that is that little devil on their shoulder saying you need to provide, you need to work harder. And in doing that, you are sacrificing like these relationships with your family. But like the, now in the last few years, now that I'm older, I've noticed that providing isn't about money because money is not going to keep the relationship. That's so, a good point. So mm-hmm. that providing is like, like you said, listening to your partner at home or your kids at home, real family time, downtime, and then yeah, whatever you need for yourself, right? Absolutely. I just want people to hear this, right? Because it's not just about us here. It's like so many young people and older people are listening to this, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you ask anyone, especially my age, we want someone that's emotionally aware, emotionally intelligent, someone that can talk about their feelings, someone that isn't a workaholic, but values spending quality time with their partner right and i think a lot of guys get caught up in the oh i have to work they want the money you know they want the lifestyle like well really like what's going to make this relationship last is you actually putting in care and time into relationships yeah that's what matters and if you value that relationship then you need to prioritize quality time yeah like my wife always says to me what do i need you for if you're not here so what and i'm like well, I guess I better be around more often, right? Right. Yeah. I think back in the day too, like women weren't working, right? So women relied on men, but now like we're doing just fine, right? Yeah. Well, like, my, my wife's in construction. She works as hard as me. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. And she probably does more than me for the family. And I, for some reason, still don't give back enough. And I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. Like I don't know where I'm going wrong. So every time I try to put 100% into it, it's already too late into the mess, right? And then when I should be putting it in, that's when I'm not, right? Yeah, I think it's just right there. You just acknowledged what's going on, right? You know it's happening, and that's the first step you need to take into changing that behavior. Yeah. You, you, you have to recognize what's going on in, in your behavioral patterns to be able to start changing them. And once you have a goal, you say you want to spend more time at home, like make small goals. Like, okay, I'm going to leave an hour earlier this week, every week, and and start making small goals for yourself to start prioritizing those things that maybe have been hard to prioritize in the past. I know in the last few months I've been pushing for four-day work weeks, and I like I paid for attention sure. to Australia and I think the UK and yeah, they're doing it and they're doing it and it, but every time I bring it up into construction, a lot of people are against it, and I I just said, listen, you're not seeing the value of a four-day week because you're getting that extra day that you can use for your personal life or you can use for another passion project or something. Right. And I think there's a lot of value in that, but they just have this mindset where it's like, I need to work 10, 12 hours now instead of eight hours for me to get an extra day, which is not necessarily the case. I think that it's a, just a work life balance thing is what it becomes. So, I mean, are there huge benefits to doing a four day week or is it definitely a positive or is it like at some point, like Carlito, you said, I mean, the money can, Nobody can ever take the money with them. That's what my grandfather used to say, right? It's just like you can't put it in the casket and go away and take it with you. Right. So you can make as much money as you want, but you can never get back the time that you lost when opportunities with family and friends. And yeah. Right? Yeah. That's important. So that's why I think four-day weeks should be important. And that fifth day 
should be contributed to a family or to your loved yeah. ones or anything. I 100% agree. And then I think giving that per- people that extra day to relax, on Monday they're going to come back yes. with so much more energy yes. and so much more uh, drive to get the job done, not taking as many breaks and just not as tired. Driven. They're going to be more yeah. driven. Yeah, absolutely. Like I 100% agree. When I go on vacation, I have to take two weeks because the first week it's body pain, you know, unwinding <laughs> the... the uh, the adrenaline dropping from being so stressed out and go, go, go. Right. By the time I get through that, if I don't have that second week, I can't even enjoy my vacation. Oh, right? Exactly. You need that time to decompress yeah. or else how are you ever going to catch up with yourself? That's right. Lately, I've been hearing a lot of tradespeople talking about how you probably know this as a stereotype. There's a lot of yelling going on construction sites for whatever reason maybe italian uh, portuguese creation (laughs) portuguese everybody's yelling everybody's yelling and i think that the younger generation is trying to see less yelling or experience less yelling but then i think what's happening is you get to the extreme where now you're just hand-holding everybody and are you taking it too far is there a balance there i think there's always a balance i think as we grow in society, that hard kind of uh, method of communicating is definitely fading away because, you know, you know how like parents used to hit their kids and oh. now that's becoming like a... How you know? I think it was right. I think it was right. Well, I was hit too, but I think that's why I grew up wait a minute, polite how you, and disciplined. How I feel the you? same way. Thank you. I'm 24, but I'm Italian. Oh, so oh, I got the belt go. okay. and the wooden spoon yeah. and oh, I got oh. it all. Okay, perfect. Oh, yeah. So we all Excellent. know the yeah. So we grew up the same. So yes. <laughs> we've yeah. all been uh, raised on the wooden spoon factories of the world. Right. right? But people are now moving away from that. Like, I'm sure you've seen like news headlines over the years, like, oh, parent hitting child, abuse, like this and that. So like, I think people's mentalities are changing around discipline and communication. And in that, I definitely understand the concern, like hand holding your employees, probably not the best way to get work done, not the best, you know, professional relationship with them either. It's not really efficient (laughs) for you. So I definitely get that. There's probably a happy medium um and i think some people are more tolerant to uh, aggressive tones than others um depending on how they were raised right definitely feeling that out like some people are just more sensitive than others and they're gonna take it harder especially than others, right? now but, i see a lot of sensitive people yes well we have interesting- but doesn't make it wrong or right no it doesn't but we have interesting generations going on where you've got the older close to retiring generations right that are so used to that way of educating or sharing their feelings, so to speak, if they had any feelings. But now you've got that generation that's right behind them that wants to see a change and they don't want to speak that way or act that way. But then they're seeing the younger generation to them and they're just being way too entitled. And it's just like, this is just way too soft at that point. So like where do we go how it's that whole cliche of what is it weak men make strong men and that whole back and forth thing right. the, the different societies right uh, so you're going to get all these old school guys that are going to all get out of the business now and we're going to be left with these other guys that want to see a change but then are we going to be overpowered by the guys who just wanted to be just very very laid back and serenity now kind of mentality right so. i guess that is a concern like leaving the the industry to people that don't have the same work ethic yeah. uh, as you guys did. Lots of tippy-toeing around people's, you know, beliefs and the way they 
want to be treated, right? Right. And it's not necessarily a negative thing. Uh, I mean, if we're trying to prioritize mental health in the workplace, like that is an important thing to consider, right? You need to be aware of others' feelings because this is why suicide rates and burnout is so high in construction. It's, it's because it's so intense and there's so much pressure from your bosses, your coworkers, your family, right? So you do need to take the little things into consideration. And I, I can understand how that's annoying and more time consuming. And I think there is a balance. I think there's a way to be direct without being aggressive. There's a way to communicate assertively without hurting feelings, right? And I think it's just finding that medium and, and building that communication style where you're able to tell someone what you want to tell them, but not have it be too aggressive in a way. It's kind of mm -hmm. hard to do that and make money and meet the timeline. For every time I've gently approached teaching somebody something that they can never take away from, like they can always use that wherever they go. So I'm spending my personal time, my business time, my money to teach somebody something right. and they never get it. Okay. And after a while, you can't help but be aggressive about it. Start to talk to them like, are you stupid? You know, why can't you figure that out? What I think I'm leading to is if I'm not aggressive with people, I can't get them to make any money. And if I can't get them to make any money, I might as well not have them. Well, because there's no, there's no, there's no medium there. I just can't find the right people that think of my business as their business if they're one of my employees. Yeah. They're I just not taking it as serious as I am and they just come in, punch the clock and they're not giving anything back to my business or my customer or to me. Yeah, absolutely. And let me ask, once you become aggressive with them and, and yell at them, so to speak, did anything change? <laughs> yes. So okay. I, I, really? do this, I do this one thing, people aren't gonna like hearing it, but I'm gonna say how it is. I'll be. I'll tell somebody something. I'll say, "Hey, uh, make sure that you remove those hinge pins before uh, you t you do work on that door." I walk over and the door is still hung, and I'm like, "What didn't you understand about that?" Yeah. And I'll say it again on the next door. They keep doing it, but then I come up to them and I go, <laughs> and I make monkey noises, and I'm not even speaking English. No, they get it. it, and I'm just like, "Did it take that sarcastic joke for you to realize?" The message like i don't get it i think it's uh about establishing boundaries as well a and they need to know that you're the boss and if and you can tell them without yelling at them or mocking them that if you don't do it the second time i ask you like done that's it i think that goes to their work ethic but i don't think their work ethic excuses the fact that if you, you decide to yell at them yeah right I, I think that's just on them they don't have the good work ethic maybe this job isn't right for them but that doesn't mean we can, you know, start to get offensive with them because yeah. it's just not creating a good work environment for anyone. So what I've done now is if I feel that I can't get through to somebody and somebody's not giving me their 100%, I just ask them, do you have any friends looking for work? And they say, yeah, I take that number and I say, bye. And I take their friend mm -hmm. and I just keep going through this vicious circle of giving people all this knowledge and my personal time that I can never get back right. and have to tippy toe around them. And just, yeah. it's all I keep doing is I'm walking on, on, on glass around all these people. And I just felt when I grew up, it was very violent. Like, you know, 
hey, come on, let's go. You know, it's like eat yeah. while you work. If you screw something up, the whole crew made fun of you. And it wasn't for right. one or two days. It'd be for months. It could be yeah. for years, right. you know, but I learned something from it and I became a better person. Right. Um, and I've always tried to be sensitive, but you can't help being human sometimes and just kind of being that well, so-called bad person. Right. Yeah. But I mean, for, for you and your experience, you learned something from it and you you took something out of it and you grew from it. You developed into a, a better person. Right. I think for some, they don't take it that way. Yeah. It's like trauma. Really, trauma it can go other two ways. Someone gets traumatized, like sexual abuse as a child or something. Either you learn from it, you get better because of it and you decide to help people later in life and you become the helper or they go down a dark path. It's really one of two ways, and it's kind of the same. So for you, it worked out great, but probably for a lot of people, it didn't. Yeah, and then you take people down with you. Like, uh, I mean, it's important. I, I'm going to hit some sensitive subjects because you talked about suicide. I feel, and I'm just because we're talking, and I want to have yeah. a really good open conversation because this conversations that people don't want to have publicly. Yeah. So that's what I want to talk about yes. now. So if I sound a little harsh, it's because I need to so that we can have a great conversation. So I don't, I think that suicide is very selfish. You know, you commit suicide and all of a sudden you leave everybody else. Now you hurt a, a dozen people that loved you and wanted you around and wanted to help you. And they may not have been there for you when, you know, because you didn't give the right signals or you didn't talk. Uh, or people just didn't notice you know people are very selfish does that make me a bad person thinking the way i do it does make you a bad person i mean suicide it's so hurtful your whole family is going to suffer your friends you know everyone that you leave behind like they loved you right they're all going to be hurting so i can understand where you're coming from people who are suicidal are so consumed by the thought of leaving this world and the depression that's bringing them down that they'll do anything to to stop it and, and unfortunately they're not thinking much about those people because they really just want to help themselves they want to help themselves get out of that that place right it's it's desperation so yeah I, I get what you're saying and and you know what a lot of people don't commit suicide because they feel responsible and obligated to stay around for their family yeah. and friends so some of them like I have clients that that they don't want to go because of that. They feel like they can't because they're going to leave their kids behind. Yeah, um, and I, I had a conversation one time, and I was told by somebody that I know in, uh, about her child that every time the child looked in the mirror, they just couldn't see the person that everybody else sees. And that other person that they couldn't visualize was too hard to continue looking at. And they did try it twice, and they're still concerned. But that's how they try to explain it to me because I didn't understand it myself. But they just said that when they look at themselves in the mirror, they don't see the person that everybody else sees. And it's just heart-wrenching for them, so they don't want to continue that way. Why I was leading into that was actually kind of directed to the way I speak to people. Sometimes I have to be selfish for my business, for my employees, and for my family. So I was using that kind of like you could become selfish and talk to people the wrong way because you're so into your business and you that right. sometimes you hurt people along the way, right? Yeah, and that happens. Like, that's going to happen in everyday life and everyday friendships. And sometimes you're just so caught up in whatever's important to you that you forget 
maybe the right way to deliver a message, right? It happens. I'm awful. <laughs> no, you're old but, school. You're but just, I make a joke at the end, and everything's yeah. okay. Okay, well, <laughs> I think you're you're direct. That's all it is. You're just yeah. you're. But also, that's the way you're trying to ask them: Is everything all right? That's how you ask them that question. Yeah, I think I'm saying like I don't have much time to talk about this. What's the problem? Let's get it over and done with. <laughs> okay, we done. Let's move on. Yeah. I think at the beginning, like you would probably benefit. You hire someone on and be like, look, like. I'm very direct. If I, if I ask you to do something, you don't do it once. I have to ask you again. You still don't do it. Like, that's it. That way, when it comes down to it and they're not doing the job, like, you've already set those boundaries, like like I was talking to before. Like, maybe, uh, like, putting those boundaries down will allow you to not have to go there with them. Because straight up, you told them at the beginning, like, this is what I expect of you. I'm not going to ask you three times. If I have to ask you three times, like, you know. Yeah. And then that will kind of save you from kind of going there with them. Well, and, I found a new way for myself just in the last year with all the headaches of life and the people, what they're going through is I now surround myself with the same alpha males that I am. Okay. Like I know how aggressive I am and how I speak and how I behave. So now I only hire guys that are just like me and I may not like what they have to say back to me, but I get along with them and I find that they put more into the business being aggressive and not sensitive. Yeah. So I'm surrounding myself with a lot of energy that I don't really want, but I have to have to get my job done. Okay. Is that a good thing or is that kind of masking? Yeah, I mean, you're kind of sacrificing something to get your work done, right? But yeah, I'm getting what I want now. Like I'm, I'm getting the job done. I'm right. not doing it twice. Right. I, I don't have to worry about being sensitive because I'm, an, I'm 50 years old. So I've gone to this stage where... I have, a hab I have habits. Like when I speak to my mother, I can't say, hey, mom, how are you? She doesn't hear me. I go, hey, mom. And she's like, what? And, and everyone's like, hey, you're screaming at your mom. I'm like, yeah. no, she, she doesn't hear anything else but that. Because right. she's been trained that way, right? Like right. she's lived her life so long this way, she doesn't know anything better. And I'm an old dog now, so I, don't, I can't change everything about myself. I'm very predictable. Right. Well, what I would say in that situation is, is it a healthy work environment for everyone, for you and the people that you hired? Well, they keep coming. So what I've learned is I can keep guys for years now if I like them. Okay. Because they love working with me. I work hard. I'm very funny, very aggressive. But at the end of the day, they want to come back to work. Right. I think I'm doing something right for my lifestyle. doesn't mean it's right in your eyes or anyone else's. Yeah. Because the more I talk to people, like when I take management courses or supervisor sensitivity courses right. like I, i'm like looking at half the stuff and i'm just like honestly this is nothing but headaches and troubles at the job site like every time i'm so sensitive with this guy i gotta sit on my time for half an hour an hour if i'm paying this guy 40 bucks and i'm not on the tools and i'm trying to make this guy part of the team right. i'm losing money and yeah. it shouldn't be about money but that kind of conversation should be outside of work and if it's going to be outside of work I really don't want to have it because I want to spend time with my family. Yeah. That's so how do point. I win? Because well, it's so sensitive about the worker, not about the employer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, maybe then just having resources for your employees. Like, again, when they first come on the job, you let them know, like, okay, like, if anything's ever wrong, like, if something's affecting your work performance, like, if you're coming to work and you can't focus, like, here are this place, this place, this place you can call, you can talk to on your time but the, here are some really helpful resources that you can use. That way they can actually get professional help and 
they're getting help. They're going to help your the the performance on your job site, and you're not going to lose money. But you're also creating a a culture that is sensitive to mental health and giving them those resources yeah. to use on their own time, right? And just making sure that they know like it's okay to reach out. I'm just thinking that is such a balancing act over all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a parent. He's a parent, and Jason's a parent there. Um, I'm still a child. But you're still a child. <laughs> yes, I understand that. <laughs> a big one. And there's just so much. He's right. So it's it's we talk about how we're trying to have a work-life balance, but then you want to help this person, but this person is contributing to loss of production on my job site, but I want to help them. So how do I do that? But then you're also going to have to deal with, and you will have to deal with this if you if you try to help one, and then the others are going to think, well, why are you spending so much time and effort on that person? What about us or whatever? And then it becomes the fave kind of thing. And now you jealousy. Have to, yeah, then you have to babysit the other ones now at that right. point. So it's like, where does it start? Where does it end? Where does it go? Yeah, that is quite the balancing act. It's it's hugely challenging, right? And then 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 also in the back of your head, I still have to make money because I have to provide for somebody, right? And for for myself, so it's just I, I don't know, I don't know what what the right answers are or how to do it. I don't think there's a right answer for every situation, but I think boundaries and like structure is like important. Even like when you said, what if I'm taking time during the day while we're supposed to be working, talking to this guy, it's making everyone else feel a bit left out. Well, maybe that conversation shouldn't be happening during the day. Maybe you have like a set time when you do have time, when you're not supposed to be working, to talk to people in private where not everyone's going to see, not going to affect anyone else and their perspective of what's going on. But just kind of setting yourself up for those kinds of situations, especially if you want to prioritize mental health, you need to expect that kind of stuff to happen and, and accommodate for it. And so you can set yourself up for success by putting in certain boundaries and timelines and, and certain spaces where you can talk to your workers about this stuff and it, it's not going to have any negative implications to your workspace or your other employees. Yeah. The, the part about being sensitive, what do you, how do you feel about women now in construction and you know them tippy-toeing around men and men tippy-toeing around women in construction? Because I see it happening and I do it myself yeah. too. I... When I meet a woman on the job site, I know I'm not going to be able to treat her like I do another, another, another human on the site. Because you don't see very many women in construction. Right. It's a little bit of a shock. So uh, as much as you know, I want to say, oh, I'm open-minded to it and I'm okay with it, I have to speak to them differently and I have to ex have different expectations of them as a, as a worker. What do you hear from women and then, you know... How do you change those things? Well, what you need to know is not all women are sensitive, right? There's that stereotype that, you know, all women are sensitive. And a good bunch of us are. Like, I'm sensitive. I'll happily admit that. And I don't like being yelled at, even though I grew up in an Italian household. <laughs> but maybe that's why I don't Contradicting. like... Contradicting. Yeah, well, maybe that's why I don't like getting yelled at. But some women are tough. Like, some people don't care as much, right? So I, I think it's worth a conversation with these people saying like, okay, like this is how I communicate. Like, are you, are you good with it? Like what's up? Or do you need me to like back off a bit? Like, and, and see kind of where they're at. Um, but women in general communicate in a more calm manner. And I think that just goes back to how we were socialized, right? Like men, we were, are allowed to express their feelings through yelling and through aggression. And where are these women? 
What women? I, I haven't met these women. <laughs> no, they're, no. They're back in the 1960s and 70s, okay? Yeah. But men, like, you're, you're, you guys have been socialized. Like, you're, it's okay to yell and to, and to get aggressive. Like, that's how you are allowed to express your feelings, typically, in society right. in an acceptable way. Like, that's been okay, considered okay. For women, we have more leeway. You know, we've been able to express our feelings just through calm conversation, right? And that's okay. We can talk about our feelings and that's been accepted. So I think over time, like women have just kind of become better communicators in a sense because it's been okay for us to talk about our feelings. And so, yes, I understand it's annoying because like you said, your communication style is, it's more direct, it's more aggressive, yeah. right? Um, well, I also have a different than a lot of guys like, when you don't look at people's home life and you don't know what they're like at home, most people would not realize that my wife is really a, a woman in a, in a man. So she speaks <laughs> very aggressive to me. She's very European. Right. When I speak to my own wife at home and she's telling me to shut up and she's going to throw a two by four at me. And it's all love. It's all pure love. It's just yeah. a, you know, just very different speaking so right. the two by four was found in the love aisle at yeah, Home Depot, yes. and most people won't <laughs> yes. understand it. But but it's totally no, it's no, amazing. It's great. It's funny when you think about it. It's funny. Some people don't think it's funny. No, it's, it's playful. Uh, I like but, it. So now I come to now I come to work, and I have a wife that treats me like I'm a little man. And I'm not saying little man. That's the not, that's not a problem. But I'm just saying like she treats me like a little child. Right. And so when I come to work, I'm. I still have this relationship with my wife and the way we speak, I bring that to work. And if I hire a woman and I forget my place, it's hard to try to explain that to another woman that this is how I have it at home. Right. A lot of times people not knowing your home background, they're just judging you. So I, I see a lot of in the paperwork and all the courses, it just seems like they don't focus enough on how people are at home and how it relates to work yeah well i think that just goes to getting to know someone better right yeah like you've probably met some abrasive people in your life and at first you're like who the hell is this guy like why is he so <laughs> i don't know like aggressive and then you get to know him you're like i love this guy like that's just how he is <laughs> so i like to hear you know like <laughs> i feel like once you understand where someone's coming from you can definitely accept their behavior a little more as long as you know that they're coming from a good place yeah but that's why i recommended that conversation like have the conversation with your employees like especially if it's a woman and you feel like you need to tiptoe around them like have the conversation with them talk about your communication style let them know what you're like and then ask what they're okay with because maybe you don't have to tiptoe around them maybe they're like your wife yeah. and they don't give a crap and it's all good you know so i think having that conversation is worth it it is it's just simply communication it can yeah. help you out right so the bottom line is the worst thing that we can all do is just bottle this up just yeah that's the worst thing yes. we just have to start learning how to communicate yes just share it at our human nature basic level like we need connection like people need to connect with other people to be fulfilled to be happy it's just in our human nature and so if you keep everything inside nothing good's gonna, gonna come from yeah. it yeah i'd love to bring up um addictions yeah i'd love to discuss because obviously in construction there are a lot of addictions going on and uh, I don't know how you feel about Carlito or how you want to oh, tackle that. Let's, well, work addiction, we kind of started. But I'd like to keep 
like if there's anything more we can add to work addiction, I think that's the biggest problem. That's the first one. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, that's number one problem. Relationships, friendships, time, sleep, working out, personal time. Right. That affects all that. But addiction, I guess, with drugs and alcohol, I, I mean, why is that happening? I guess you're really asking, right? Yeah, no, but you got a really valid point. I mean, it starts off with the work addiction, and then it's affecting your personal life. But then also, yeah. you'll have people that will turn to vices that become addiction. And all of a sudden, right. that starts to affect their personal life and work life. Yeah. Not to say, not even to mention the safety aspect now. If you're not 100% aware of what's going on, right. you can get hurt or you can have somebody else get hurt as a result of your lack of, you know, responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. So how do we, how do we somehow see the signs or how do we acknowledge or how do we, we go back to communicating, but how do we, we, we but our juggling. addiction's bad. Our addiction's bad. To work? Is well, addiction I mean, bad? I, I see some people that are alcoholics, but they're working alcoholics they don't scream they don't yell they knock off the work they're functional and that alcohol keeps them happy <laughs> i'm but, not saying it's but, right I'm, I'm having a conversation but right? you yeah. want that person next to you on i have them beside me on my personal time all the time and they're better than anyone i know that doesn't have an addiction right. so when you're asking if addiction's bad and you're saying okay well it works for me on the job site like we need to really consider that person's personal life. Obviously, everything's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like there's no, a but reason. We're having this conversation so that yeah. other people listening to us can be part right. of this, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're trying to address everybody, right? Yeah, I think people like if you start with work addiction and you find yourself at work all the time, your stress level's got to be high. I mean, you have no downtime if you're always at work, and then if you don't have any proper coping mechanisms, a lot of people turn to alcohol i think alcohol mostly in the construction world yeah uh, versus like drugs but i'm sure it's there too i think it's a close but second is is marijuana i mean weed right. yeah I, I think is a close second if not a first what do you think um well weeds weeds just weed now I, I don't think it's an addiction anymore i think it's been i know but according to I the think canadian government accepted. rules i could tell you almost every car i put my head into when i see the guys in the morning i'm like dude your like car it. stinks like pot you're gonna get yeah. arrested and they're like, I don't care. Don't worry about it, man. And I'm like, okay, great guy. Hardest worker I know. But you as an employer. I'm not so, I don't, if it's my site, <laughs> I don't want it. But if it's someone else's site and I'm not in charge of them, I enjoy them and I'm okay with it. It's very, like, again, it's, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But, like, on my site, I don't want the liability. I don't want the liability of being, being, me being responsible for anyone getting hurt on that time or having that excuse to use it. But when I see these guys working on their sites or around me, it's fantastic. You know what I mean? It's like I can't I can't tell you how it's so bizarre to say that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I expect one thing and then I'm okay with the other, right? Yeah. Well, it's for your own personal, you know, expectations and your own rules on your job site, like what you you expect, your standards. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people have turned to weed, especially recently. Now that it's legalized, people are more openly doing it. Um, like at work. Yeah, everyone's right? vaping. Yeah. Everyone's smoking pot, eating gummy bears. Yeah, no, people are definitely doing gummy bears. Yeah. Edibles. Edibles. Oh, okay. But then they can't <laughs> wake up. So now the, the new problems are right. is so some of my friends are saying a buddy had a gummy last night. Now he can't get up. He's late again. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, what do you mean he had a gummy? They're like, well, I took like a 500 milligram. I'm like, 500 milligrams of gummy. <laughs> you know, like, and and you're thinking. 
now because it's legal and everyone's doing it. So now we're creating another problem. So we already had alcohol problems. We already had abusive problems. And now what is okay in culture is becoming another big problem because now guys aren't waking up because they're eating these gummies to sleep all night. Yeah. And then you got this guy coming to work. Oh, sorry, dude. Man, I couldn't get up. The gummies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like weed is more. It's definitely healthier and safer, but can be destructive to like your work performance, of course, where alcoholism is destructive in all aspects of your life usually. Right. So that's definitely a problem when it starts to interfere with their work. And I guess they are probably using it as a way to relax. Yeah. Right. I think people are turning to these things as a way to de-stress and to to feel kind of more calm, um, especially if they work a lot. Right. Stress is going to be high. There's high demands. There's deadlines. There's a pressure to provide like we talked about. So people are turning to these vices to feel better, feel more relaxed. And are there other ways to do it without yeah, of course. There's always other ways. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess well, that they're not listening to these other ways, right? Let's name off a couple of trades and what you think their addictions are, okay? So I'll start with roofers. Roofers, Percocets, or heroin. That's typically what I hear, oh, like, wow. of guys that have guys working for them. Hey, hey we're are having a con- honest I'm, conversation I'm not here. laughing at it. I'm just giggling that no, you're, roofers, you're aware of trades people and their vices. Yeah, because these are real conversations happening, and this is what I want to have here because we're going to, we have an opportunity to address some of the problems and maybe try to figure out a solution how to fix them. Yep. So, right now, I'm saying roofers are typically on Percocets for their back pains, just, Mm. I guess, the numbs themselves out, leads to heroin because I guess that's the process. Tolerance and Percocets. Heroin is the next thing, I guess. you know, carpenters and bricklayers, I, I see them smoking weed nonstop. All the time. Yeah. Um, you know, drywallers, I'm seeing them smoking but they're also and drinking. Taking, they're, but uh, the harder trades are taking harder medications to suppress pain. And I, I'm assuming chronic pain, back, knees, joints, all right. kinds of things like that. So they'll pop this and pop that. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I just want to. Yeah. No, no. What I just want to go through the trades. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, but you are right. Marijuana is... Which trade is not on a narcotic? <laughs> <laughs> well, typically, I only hear... It. Electricians are usually the alcoholics. Like, okay. like no, like from all the people I've known in 30 years in construction and plus... They're the alcoholics. I find that they're not really like... Because they're working around high power and stuff. They don't, they're not stupid enough to kind of be that dizzy, I guess. I don't know. I don't drink, so I can't. But they're determine. alcoholics and they're around that power. That's dangerous, no? I know, but again, we're trying to figure out why yeah, yeah. why they're doing it and we're addressing you said, you know, who drinks, right? So So what are the trades I'm trying to figure out? Um landscapers, hardscapers. Window 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 cleaners I know are typically hard drug guys. Mm. So they like their hard drugs, heroin, crack, coke. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm just thinking most guys used to be, like my generation was on cocaine, a lot of cocaine and crack back in the day. Uh, that's changed now. There's all kinds of new, I, some Molly drug I keep hearing people are taking. I don't know what the hell that is. I have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. No, I hear all these young guys talking about it. Oh, I did Molly. And I'm just like, what the hell is that, man? Um, but anyways, we're, we're surrounded by alcohol and drug abuse. Right. We have a lot of great people that are in this, and there's a lot of bad people in this. 
what do we do with them? How do we help them? Because that's all we can do right now is try to figure out a way to connect to them and help them, right? Right. Well, just going back to why they're doing it, I think it's... That was what I was just thinking. Yeah. Where is it starting from? Is it home? Is it and mostly it home? Be. It could be. I, I don't think I could give you an answer on that because it's going to be different for everyone. Like some people, it's probably work. And some people, probably home as well. Maybe a mix of both. I mean, it, it could be anything. And I don't think I could sit here and say it's one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's what they do about it, right? And what they're doing about that stress is is using this drinking as like a maladaptive coping mechanism, you know? It's just gonna snowball and create more problems for them instead of actually helping. So what do you do about that? You gotta take care of yourself, right? I think people are forgetting to take care of themselves. You know, you're, you start to feel stress and then you end up, you know, picking up a bottle because that's easy, but that's not what you really need. Maybe you really What need is it that you need? Yeah, what is it that you need instead of a bottle? Right. Well, it's different for everyone. It could be time with your family. Maybe that's what's stressing you out, that you're always at work. Or uh, maybe you and your partner are in a huge fight and you don't want to go home and you're stuck at work and you're drinking because like everything's blowing up around you and nothing's good. And, and so you feel hopeless. So you start drinking to to kind of escape that that mindset. It could be, you know, anything. But taking care of yourself, giving yourself what you need, whether that's time off, whether that's vitamins, vitamins, working out, like I said earlier, getting a good sleep, exercise, dancing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Would, like, you, would you do it to your, with yourself first or would you consider also doing it with your significant other at the same time? So you both spend time together or is that first take care of yourself and then take care of ourselves? Yeah, I would probably say take care of yourself first and first. foremost, because if you're throwing yourself into you know, if you're starting to work with your partner to improve things and you're not okay yet, then how are you going to be your best or give your partner what they need when you're still not giving yourself what yeah. you need? Yeah, and, and outside your office, like, um, I find that for me, when me and my wife went through some of our darkest times, when she had enough of me because I was never home and working too much, I felt that I should address me first. So I went to therapy without her to find out about what am I doing wrong? How can I change myself? How can I better myself as a man right. for my wife yeah. and for myself, obviously. But when I did that, I made myself smarter because I learned a whack of things I never paid attention to. Like yeah. out of 10 fights, I only win one now instead <laughs> of winning 10. Right. So in my eyes, I, I'm thinking I'm winning, but I'm not. I'm just sinking myself every single time. doesn't matter what the, I'm just trying to make it fun at the same time, right? right. But by going to therapy for myself and not having that communication you talked about, I should have let her at the same time go to her own therapy and me go at the same time communicating about it and then done a a, a group. So like I'm, we're in a great place now, but I still still want to address a mediator or someone in between just so that I don't cross those lines because I find myself always thinking I'm doing the best for us or for me or for her, but I always screw up because I'm not paying attention. So I find that seeing someone like yourself once every three months or once every six months, it puts it back in check. Yeah, a little check-in. You know, and I I think that for the people listening, you shouldn't be afraid of therapy. No. You should really embrace it. And if you don't like the first, like I always say, you know what, I've gone to three, four therapists, 
everyone yeah. has a different opinion, different yeah. education, different way of being brought up, different understanding. Yeah, Try a couple different ones until you find the right one. Yeah, absolutely. Every therapist is going to be different, and it's really important that you like your therapist. I mean, yeah. you're paying for it. You're about to be vulnerable with them, or you want to get to the point where you can be vulnerable with them and talk about hard stuff. So take the time and find a good one. I mean, at Rise, we offer consultations so that people can do that. We give a free 30-minute phone call. You can call, meet the therapist, talk to them. A lot of other places do that as well. So you don't have to commit and pay for a full session before you actually pick someone. Right. But it's important that you like someone. And I like the whole check in thing because that's really. Yeah. Well, from from what I've gone through in my life now being 50 and, you know, having a couple serious almost divorces with, you know, I've been with the same woman my whole life. But, you know, trying to reinvent myself or better myself to give it change, but be the same person. Right. You can really get off track real fast. Yeah. You, you know, can. at our base, like we're. We are an individual, right? We came into this world as an individual. I think it's important that you make sure that you are happy because if you're happy, then you can work on making your partner yeah, happy. Yeah, and that's, I always felt that for me, I used to be in the gym all the time and people always wanted to be around me because I was strong and handsome at one time. <laughs> um, but no, people saw the energy that I love myself yeah. and people wanted to be around that. Yes, and, that's so true. And I just find that when you do something like that, your partner sees that and they want to be with you more. Yeah. So by giving yourself an hour or two a week or every day, you're encouraging that chemistry to happen again, right? Yeah. Reinvent it, whatever, right? Your energy attracts energy, yeah. similar energy, right? If you're putting out bad energy, oh, you're, you're going to... bad energy. Oh, well, then you're going to get <laughs> some bad energy. I was going to ask about crossing the line right. and... Hi. I'm just thinking um, if there's a person out there that you're, you're asking them, is there something wrong? But they don't want to reveal anything right. for whatever. Maybe it's attached to the stigma, but you know their significant other. Would it be a smart mood of, of, on you to go approach the significant other first and go, listen, is he okay? Is she okay? Like, and then see if you can try to find that out. Or yeah. is that going to upset the person because you went around them? Definitely person dependent. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes if you're really worried, if someone is looking very depressed and you're worried that they might commit suicide or something, always reach out. doesn't matter if it's going to piss off the person. Mm -hmm. Reach out to their significant other or a friend if you're really worried about them. But what are the signs? Like I've had friends yeah. take their lives. Yeah. And I've been with them one day and the next they're gone saw that they were alcoholics and I knew that they did drugs, but this was like an MO of theirs right. and I never saw it coming. Like I never thought that they would do it Yeah. and it's done. Like it's, there's nothing like, I'm like, Oh shit, I should have like, you don't see it. So no. and, and what are the signs? People are really good at masking it. Unfortunately, yeah. they put on a happy face. They'll smile. They won't let you know that there's Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah. They'll, they'll make you seem like everything's okay. You need to ask. If you suspect, you need to ask. And if you don't suspect, you can't blame yourself because... What if they get angry at us for asking? Like for... Manny, stop asking. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. You see a slightly chubby woman and you said, oh, when you when you're expecting, when you do, and you're like, I'm not pregnant. Like, like, what if you cross that line and you ask a person and they'll say, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not depressed. There's nothing going on in my life. I'm perfectly fine. I love yeah. my job. I love my wife. I love everything. Right. But... 
So if that would happen, I would say they're just not willing to accept it yet or not willing to talk about it yet. I would just say, okay, well, I'm here. And just say, well, I'm here if you ever change your mind or if you ever need anything. Like, just leave it off like, okay, no worries. Like, I'm not going to force you to talk about it. But just know that if you ever come to that place where you are ready to talk or something is wrong, like, I'm here. In whatever way you want to say that to someone. But uh, you're going to get that reaction. Some people don't want to be vulnerable. Some people still feel shameful about it. Some people don't. It's a sign of weakness. Yeah. Especially in a male-dominated macho industry. They think it's weak. Absolutely. So they're trying to push it down. Maybe they're just not accepting of it yet. Or they're not comfortable talking to you about it. So it's okay. If they're not comfortable talking to you about it, if if they don't get mad, but they're like, oh, you know, everything's okay. You could, like, educate yourself with resources that you could, you know, offer to them. Like, okay, well, if anything changes, like, here's this number you could call or, you know. There's, like, so many self-help apps out there right now, too, that you could uh, use. But just being open to being there for them and letting them know that you're there if anything would ever work to change is important or even better outside the circle call you so that i know it's hard for you right now because we're talking in general we don't have like one subject like right one subject's life and style so it's hard for you to answer all that kind of stuff because it's all individual based right yes yeah i mean if you don't want people to know and you want to be private about it it's easy to reach out to you and say hey i need to come in for an hour and have yeah. someone outside the circle tell you what exactly. you should be doing instead exactly. of guessing or assuming or getting involved in someone's business right yeah i mean therapists are in the business to help right yeah I, we're non it's worked for me yeah we're, we're here to be your your outside perspective your non-biased perspective personally i'm a very non-judgmental person you could literally tell me anything and like all's good like i don't care right like so are you allowed to reveal any good stories uh, no. <laughs> no that's that's come on it's a good show, show. <laughs> um can we play a game right now sure oh gosh. can we do pick a bone your pet peeves with your with your industry what's this the Ooh. thing that you hate the bone you pick with good in one. your industry uh i would say the inaccessibility to mental health care in terms of price. I think it's really hard for people to find affordable therapy. And that's a shame because so many people need help, but so many people can't afford to see a therapist every week. And I think just the industry. Here in Canada, what do they offer? It really ranges depending on the person, their expertise, their experience, and location as well. An Um, average not holding you on it, like no listeners are holding you on it, but an average idea. uh, I would say probably like a hundred bucks an hour is an average, even more for a psychotherapist anyways. If you want to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist, that's... So what are the differences? A psychotherapist, so my position, we need a master's degree. That's what I have. And then psychologists and psychiatrists, they need a PhD and they can actually diagnose and prescribe medication, whereas a psychotherapist can only treat. So I can suspect someone has depression. They can already have a diagnosis or just think that they might have depression. And I can't confirm or deny, but we take the symptoms head on and we treat them like that. So are you headed to a a different direction in therapy or... Like, is this a stepping stone to, or is this where yeah, you're going to stay? I'm not sure. I, I've debated doing a, a PhD to become a psychiatrist or something. But, you know, 
I, I don't want to just diagnose and medicate people. I yeah, want to actually I, I love help hearing them. that. Yeah, because medication, it treats the symptoms. It doesn't treat any of the actual underlying problems. Like True. you get off the medication, your problems are going to come back, right? Sometimes medication can be a great tool in combination with therapy to kind of get your mood stabilized and get you into a better state of mind to go through like the therapeutic process and, and start to see changes. But medication is definitely not the be all end all. So I'm quite happy with where I'm at. I do want to say I don't take Tylenols or Advil. Very, very, very rare. I don't like pharmaceutical corporation stuff. I like old school remedies, nice. dealing with the pain, yes. you know, pain tolerance and so on. I have taken medication in the past once in my, in my past and I'm not for it. I'm one that always speaks against it, but I do want to say that I took a lower dosage, trusted my doctor. Right. And for the six to nine months that I was on it, it made me look at life differently, slow down a lot. Like I learned, I, I learned to slow down and listen. I never knew how to listen before. I just talked yeah. over everybody, aggressive, became that alpha male, didn't allow anyone to speak or finish their sentences. That between the medication and a great doctor and therapy, right. all in one, not, in, not separate, like all in one, yes. yeah. I had a good conclusion out of it all. And it came out great. So I don't want people right. being scared of it because you hear stories about people with PTSD and, yeah. and, and other problems. And you always hear the bad side of medication, organs failing and yeah. you know other health issues that come from, from that, right? right? Depression for life. Um, I think it's right if it's short time, short term to find who right. you are or fix a solution to yeah. find out if it's going to work. If it's not going to work, then you got to move on. Right. Well, like you said, you did it in combination with therapy and with treatment from your doctor. So that whole holistic approach, it, it gave you like an amazing treatment plan. And like you said, you had a great conclusion from it. So I think medication is so good in conjunction with therapy. And it's not for everyone, right? Like some people don't like the way it makes them feel, kind of changes their personality, their appetite. And that's okay. It, it's not for everyone. And it's not necessary. Like it's not mandatory that you be medicated to come to therapy or to see improvements in your life. Right? Or depend or rely on it. Yeah. I think that's the problem, right? Right. When you can't get off of it and you're now addicted to what you think is helping you. That's, right. it's not there to help you. It's there to let you see or calm down and yeah. be able to understand what's going on. I don't, I don't think it's something to fix the problem. I think no. it's a, to teach you how to s find the solution so you can get off it and move forward, right? Right. It's a temporary tool that you can yeah. use in conjunction with other I don't want yeah, I don't want people listening. That's right. Yeah. So I, I don't think just relying on medications the best course of action. Um, I mean, obviously depending on the disorder or the circumstance. Like I said, I'm not someone I'm not qualified to diagnose and to prescribe, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But just understanding how people's experiences have been, medication does not solve the problem. And it's important that you actually talk and work through whether it's trauma or anything that you've gone through to actually resolve the, the root issue so that you don't have to be on medication for the rest of your life yeah. to feel okay yeah like manny's addiction <laughs> is to help people i'm gonna Aww. say something nice about him finally Aww. people think <laughs> people think he's this dinosaur angry aggressive guy talking shit all the time <laughs> 
He's not. He's a great guy. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just joking. Um, This has been good, Taylor. I really appreciate you coming on. And um, I'm just wondering, is there anything else that you wanted to chat about? Did you want to go over any of the uh, fun stuff? Uh, no, no, I think we can leave those ones out on this one. We'll just do the 12 questions and then, okay. and then, uh, but if you have any other points that you want to bring up, um, he makes notes as we go along and then I show up with all my notes. You guys are prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Very organized. Yeah. I just, I, I think that we, you know, we have you on as, as the opposite of the male in, in construction. And I just, right. I think everybody wants to kind of hear what a woman how she feels about working with men and their their attitudes and the way they speak to women or handle them at work. I think I'd like to kind of make sure we have all those bases covered. Yeah, so women's perspective on how men treat them in the workplace. Yeah, and uh, just how to deal with them and maybe, maybe how to talk to a woman because most guys think they know how to talk to a woman, but they don't. I think, and speaking generally, and, and honestly, therapy is a very female-dominated workspace but I have been around guys playing sports and stuff a a lot so I I can kind of understand the environment sometimes insensitivity is the biggest problem and just saying something offensive that you guys might think is a joke but is actually maybe an insecurity of ours and then next thing you know we're upset I think it's just being cautious about uh, saying offensive things like that you know, I think guys can joke around with each other much easy, much easier, sorry. But I think it's easier to maybe touch a nerve for some women, especially when it comes from a guy. Like, girls rip on each other all the time, and it's okay. But coming from a guy, you have to understand it's a bit different. The dynamics are different, yeah. um, especially for a straight woman, hearing it from a heterosexual guy as well, just because of society and how things are. It's just a bit different, and you have to understand that. So... Yeah, just be more considerate, I guess, and think before you speak. Um, And again, like I said earlier, it's not all women that are sensitive. I mean, like I said, some of us are. I am. But like your wife, you probably don't need to tippy-toe around her, right? So No, there's no tippy-toeing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so it's not a blanket statement. Um, But I think just being more considerate and calm in your communication style. You could be direct with us. That's not a problem. Uh, I just see that. And on sites, being a foreman, having women work under me and men at the same time and have to like not, you know, I have to look at myself as an employee and what they're going through and what they don't see as being a foreman or an owner of a company, knowing how what I need expectations and how the business should be run professionally. And but that brings up a good point. Sorry to interrupt. I mean, just our day to day. Like we have all the pressures too that maybe we need to just call it on ourselves and maybe we need to sit down and we speak to somebody and we kind of share what's going on in our lives because we're so conscious of what our employees, sub trades, everybody else is around us and and whoever's on the job site, but we keep forgetting about us. Yeah. And you guys have mentioned it a few times during our time together that you are stressed with your deadlines and and production times and, and the money that you're paying these guys. And, and so you have your own 
pressures that and stressors that you're dealing with too, right? Mm-hmm. And that could easily affect how you're dealing with situations and your relationships with your employees. So maybe just checking in with yourself. Absolutely. That's yeah. A great point. You know, just for the record here, like I said, I've worked with many women. My, w- my wife worked with me for over 10 years in my personal business. Right. So she couldn't take any more me talking <laughs> to her the way I was. Uh, <laughs> but I only expected more from her. So like, say I had 10 guys on the floor working. Right. She wanted me to like cuddle her and love her at work. But wow. I can't put that guard down and have my guys see that. Like they already know that we're a relationship, right? So I don't need to do that at work. So like you could burn a bridge with your loved ones by just treating them harder. Like I expected her to take a little bit more punishment verbally uh, and mentally, I guess, when she worked for me than I did with the other guys because I needed them to stay strong and focused because right. I didn't want to show weakness. So I'm just trying to give some angles to other people that have it's yeah. a good point businesses. i mean but it's um i don't know how i feel about it it's well, there's that thing again showing weakness yeah well we no longer work together <laughs> <laughs> and things are much better okay good. <laughs> um but getting to the, my real point was is one of the biggest problems is that there are no differences like i, I worked with girls for 16 hours straight drywalling mudding framing yeah. they were there beside me Um, there was things that they were better at than I was, and there was things that I was better than they were. And as long as we worked as a team, it's fantastic. But I think that the the, the thing I really want to get to is if you have a problem with the opposite sex, like you said, talk it out. Don't call like a foreman or another boss and make a big deal out of it and create this disease in the business and and in the team because you can sink the whole team so fast right so i just want people to hear that if you got a problem at work and you think it's because it's the opposite sex it's not it's the communication right yeah all you gotta do is communicate if you're frustrated just you know tell them (laughs) yeah like no need to blow it out of proportion like just communicate and you'll make yourself better for it in the long run You'll become a better person, a better worker, just better professionally and personally. Just communicate. Start, you know. And, and what do we do with the old guys? The old stubborn guys. Just bury them. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, all have shovels. We all have shovels. Just <laughs> bury them, man. They're not going to... I don't know. They just... Uh, you can't change them. They're just set in their ways. I don't know. That's so cool. this is my father's saying you garbage garbage <laughs> garbage taylor God. thank you so much we, get, we got a ra- i got one little segment here that we'll do with you just okay. uh, questions uh there's no right answers or wrong answers whatever oh, but i just want to <laughs> remind everybody uh rise psychotherapy uh, ca and taylor at rise psychotherapy ca and also instagram is rise psychotherapy mississauga to reach out to you and thank then you. i guess you can help out anybody that reaches out to you, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we have a few people at our practice, so if it's not me, there are other amazing therapists that I work with that, uh, yeah, we can help anyone, really. I think the important thing is just start the communication. Don't be afraid. Don't feel as if this is weakness on your part. Watch out for your brothers and sisters out on on the workforce, on the job site. That's all. Just be aware of it. Before you ask that question, can I ask you one last question? Sure, go ahead. I've been looking into this new touch therapy. Okay. So it's about you and your partner. Yep. And learning how to retouch each other. Okay. Do you guys have that there? It's not something I specialize in. I'd have to check if, so, if one of the other therapists 
special. I, I just find it. that when you retouch with people, yeah. you know, you're, that contact's there instead of the push. Don't touch me, you know. Yeah. I, and I'm just trying to address it because I heard some yeah. good things about it, but... No, I think that's a great yeah. way to kind of reconnect with your partner. Yeah, so I just wanted to know if you guys had it there because that's actually what I'm looking for right now. Oh, yeah? yeah? Okay, well, I'll talk to you after. Okay. Yeah, Carlito uses his podcast as a couple therapy podcast. For I think himself. it's important, <laughs> man. We all have the same problems, man. You can't you can't filter it, buddy. Well, you're Italian, so you must be around some sort of construction at some point. Uh, yeah, my no-no was, <laughs> my a, no-no. was a construction worker. <laughs> I love it. My zeal Paolo, too. So they, it's funny. They both call me a, a piece of bistec they call me a piece of meat and they said they used to like yell at girls that would walk past like job sites oh, back no. in the day and call them a, a bistec a piece of meat oh um, my God. so yeah I, I know a bit. and the whistling and everything else that goes oh, yes. with it. Oh, yeah. okay so that'll fit right in there okay. i love it uh what is your favorite construction word oh a word a word <laughs> oh my gosh all I'm thinking of are tools. <laughs> Two by four. We're gonna stick. <laughs> we're gonna keep it simple. What, sorry. What is your least favorite construction word? Oh, a bolt. I know. I know that one. I know some tools, but yeah, I don't know. There's just it's like that word like moist. Like it's just yeah. It's just not a good <laughs> word. What turns you on in construction? Hard workers. What turns you off in construction? Smoking. Excellent. What is your favorite curse word? um fuck (laughs) always a go-to what is a favorite your favorite vehicle could be anything you want Ooh. i know you want to say yoga you uh yoga 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 oh i i'm like one day my dream car is to get a mercedes g-class but like anything like Jeep, Land Rover, Range Rover, big things like that. What is your least favorite vehicle? Any hatchback. I don't know what it is. <laughs> don't like them. <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you love? The saw. The circular saw? Um, I don't know. It's like a table saw, but when it starts up oh. and it goes through the wood, it's very satisfying. <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you hate? Oh, like a hammer, like a constant like banging. Jackhammering. Yeah. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I would be a cook. I'd go to culinary school. Culinary school. Yeah. What profession would you never like to do? Mm. Construction. (laughs) Potentially. (laughs) Potentially. I'm more of a a clean worker. I mean, I'll get my hands dirty. I grew up with an Italian dad. Trust me, I was put to work, but enough of that. I thought you'd be building something with brick. (laughs) (laughs) So no construction. Probably not. You won't offend us. Don't worry. (laughs) Uh, Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, You made it, bitch. (laughs) 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 On that note, (laughs) Taylor, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time and sitting down. And and I'm, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are going to appreciate what was shared here today. Definitely. Yeah, I yeah. hope so. I hope I was able to teach something or make yes. therapy a bit less stigmatized. Yes. So Perfect. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I think we're out of here, Cardi. That's it. That's it. So also, again, everybody, just reach out to her, Taylor, uh, at risepsychotherapy.ca. Taylor at rise. No, sorry. 
a boom boom. It's <laughs> distracting. <laughs> He's usually perfect. <laughs> He's usually good. Continue. Uh, finish the word and then I'll continue. No, no, no. no. So, <laughs> Carlito, get us out of here. You can find her at uh, www.risepsychotherapy.ca and also email her at taylor at risepsychotherapy.ca and also on Instagram at risepsychotherapy, Mississauga. And uh, thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much. We are out of here, Carlito. Straight out of Oakville. Yeah. <laughs>